everyone, welcome to another episode. We are going to start right there. Yep, that's where we're going to start. Starting at the beginning. What a logical way to start a story. <laughs> uh, before we even get into today's episodes, I am just going to ask you, uh, okay. by the way, I should have to say specifically today's episodes on this week's episode of Avatar The Last Podcast, because we have an hey. end of the show we should be saying more often. We should be we should be saying that more often because like I I half forget sometimes like yes. wait we're yeah okay that's what we are well that's why we have the pre recorded intro before each episode so we don't have to think about it but I still think it's fair we should say it once in a blue moon yes um, yeah but I do want to bring up right away so I know in the past we've read the openings to episodes the little brief synopsis or synopses synopses yes. sounds like the right word um, something like that yeah and I, I found the new page it tends to have a lot shorter ones. I'm going to have mm-hmm. you read both of them again, but can you just take a moment and scroll down to episode 10 and see how long it is? Oh, jeez. That's longer <laughs> than the episode itself. It's so it's long. A... Why is it so long? That's I'm like, hurry through it. It's like, we found this lovely community-built page. Like, I'm scrolling through the rest of the series, and like most of them are like at most four, maybe five sentences. I think I found like two or three that are six sentences. Like The season finale for like book two is really long. But for some reason, episode 10 has a full, like, novel. (laughs) Sorry, this one's really funny. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. (laughs) I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but jeez, why? I'm looking forward to it. We can can do half each or something. I'll I'll find a good halfway point to jump in and steal it from you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll figure it out. There you go. Uh, Why don't you start us off with the really, really brief and much shorter episode 9. Yes, so this is uh, episode 9 of uh, book 1, which is called The Waterbending Scroll, and the synopsis goes as such. Katara steals a waterbending scroll from a band of pirates and begins to teach Aang waterbending before they reach the North Pole. Zuko and Iroh learn that the pirates were robbed by the Avatar and team up with them in order to capture Aang. See? concise it explains what we need to know and it gives us room to discuss the episode i feel like the next synopsis will just do the job for us apparently yeah we we uh, the next episode we won't need to say a whole lot more on the actual like what happens (laughs) yeah seriously uh but i am really happy with these two episodes in general and i'm looking forward to going through them because i did take a lot of very interesting notes and i'm intrigued to see where we go because we're getting to that kind of these, these meatier episodes where it's a lot more of the the classic term is monster of the week. I don't know if I used it in the show before, but to describe kind of like a, each episode is a self-contained story with a major antagonist that is generally defeated or at least left behind in the episode. Uh, right. Episode two, much more so than episode one. But yeah. Episode one, we still get a, uh, I mean the classic, we, we have our villain. The villain is air quotes defeated and we generally learn a lesson. So both these definitely yes. follow that trend quite well, and I feel both do a very good job of their lesson, even if some are a little more hand-handed than others. That's it. They're, they're both really nice episodes that sort of... Not only are they pretty well as just self-contained stories, mm-hmm. they both, one a little bit more than another, sort of give you a bit more insight into the grander arc and into the bigger story. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't go as far as to call these filler episodes. 
No, I feel like we get some important details in both episodes here, including an interaction I did not realize till right now, and I, I noted it. We'll get to it in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to start off this episode by basically retitling it, because I think the waterbending scroll is kind of a meh name. Uh, I would personally call this waterbending gatekeeping. Waterbending gatekeeping. Because <laughs> the premise of this episode is pretty much just Katara being like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I might be an amateur waterbender, but even I can teach the Avatar something, and then Aang just, pun intended, blowing her out of the water. Because, yeah. well, I guess you kind of have the advantage of already being a proficient bender, which I'm assuming are translatable skills. And then I'm assuming being the Avatar probably gives you a slight edge in some areas like this. I feel like as the Avatar, you're sort of blessed with the... Well, first of all, we know that he's blessed with the foresight and previous experiences of all of his past lives. Mm-hmm. So the, all the bending techniques are probably somewhere within like his deep subconscious to an extent. It's no, just a matter I mean, of bringing that out and teaching him. Yeah, and I mean, I'll always reference the opening uh, scene of Korra when they're first saying, like, she's like, I think my daughter's the Avatar, and we see her running around the house just shooting water and fire and earth everywhere. Yeah. Like, she's a freaking well, baby, and she has, not a mastery, but, like, she has already tapped into all four elements, so I think it kind of proves that the Avatar it has an, a latent, innate ability to tap into all four elements. I mean... We've yeah we've seen him water bend when he's in the Avatar state earlier in the series. So I'm not totally making that up right now. Yeah, but this is the first time we see him actually consciously water. Oh bend, no no I I, I I know it's just it's more to just draw my point again being that clearly being the Avatar comes with the perks of uh, an underlying ability. I mean obviously in the Avatar state you're tapping into past Avatar's abilities, which makes it a lot easier. Yeah. But here we're seeing that even outside of the Avatar state he's going to be a fast learner. Like, we're worried about this whole, oh no, we have, like, months to solve this, and here he mm-hmm. is, like, 30 minutes in, and he's already got a pretty decent grasp on it. That's it, and it's to uh, the resentment of Katara. We sort of see the first few cracks in Katara, but in both of these episodes a little bit. You know, she, she was very much depicted in these first few episodes as she's this sort of force of good she she always sees the best in people she she's level-headed she she cares she's emotional but she's you know for the greater good and in this first episode we get to see that she's a little bit jealous that ang is able to sort of take to waterbending like well like the avatar should mm-hmm. and it really i mean her jealousy and her resentment is what ends up getting them into their predicament that they go through in this episode. Yeah, uh, so to get to that predicament, uh, they, by pure chance, lose their um, supplies due to some waterbending incidences, which leads them into yes. a town where they have to go procure more supplies, which seems to be a recurring theme as the being short on supplies. But again, mm-hmm. as a plot device, it's an easy way to get them going to a bigger town. I mean, otherwise they would just stick to the, you know, like the forest and the woods and hiding you need to go to town yeah. to get supplies it makes sense it kind of does force the story a little better yeah we finally find ourselves on and i love the very slow realization they eventually have of wait a second seafaring uh questionable loot parrots on shoulders these are pirates it's just <laughs> it's very childishly built but it's still a really fun like i i like i almost wanted him to be like they're not pirates and then having Katara be like no they're pirates 
But oh I think, my god! Uh, I think I think it was a well executed scene. It was, and they're obviously they're in like sort of this outlaw town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they were walking through, that the, they were sort of built up to have all these shady characters around. So of course, there's pirates. Yeah, um, you hear a guy like who dares like who's brave enough to look into this bag? Like he's selling yeah. like a, a bag of mystery. Like look inside, and who's brave enough? Pay me a nickel. Like it just it it feels you're right. It kind of gives the town a like swindly shystery vibe. Exactly, and it's interesting. I guess you never really think that there's like pirates in the Avatar world. Um, the way I understood the Avatar world to work is that there's four nations: water, earth, air, fire. But these guys are essentially traveling, right? They don't really belong to any one nation. They're yeah. probably born in one of them, but they're you know. They belong to the seas now. Yeah, I kind of feel like the first guy they meet, the one who makes a little joke about, like, we have curios, and Aang goes, sure, what's a curio? And he goes, I don't know, well, we have them. Which, again, yeah. just a cute bit of dialogue I always enjoy. Uh, I feel like he kind of feels Earth Nation-ish. But I do kind of like the fact that even, like, and we've seen, like, we've met, for example, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on names here, uh, episode four, when they, or episode three, when they meet the uh, the female warriors. Kyoto. Kyoto. Oh, the Kyoshi. Kyoshi, thank you. I was like, Kyoto's a real place. Yeah. Uh, they are clearly not Air Nation, but they do have lineage with the Air Nation. So it's kind of like this nice thing where you do sort of understand that though we have the four primary nations, we do have these towns that are so, I guess, interbred and inter, like, you know, they're either near ports or they're like out of the big cities. So people travel through them. So you kind of get a melange of different backgrounds that this is you basically these little melting pot areas that are not yes they're part of the earth nation on a geographical map but their lineage is probably more melting pot yeah that's it and it it just gives you again it's a little more world building a little more bigger picture just get an idea of it's not just these four sort of monoliths um that exist in somewhat unison but there's sort of little in-betweens little villages people who quite honestly just go about their days this war for them is is not not a whole big deal maybe it's an inconvenience maybe it's not and they just sort of do their thing yeah i mean you have to survive in times of war there still needs to be humanity there's still needs to be life it's been a hundred years i mean like the major war has ended there's still the occup- uh, occupation and there's still the the advancements but it's not like every mm-hmm. single day they're sending off their troops to war and then wondering if they're gonna come home their town might be far enough out that it's kind of they're seeing the effects of it and i'm sure the occasional army passing by and things are a little rough but there are still these towns that have to live and breathe in this world yeah i mean going back to the the kiyoshi example they were out of they had stayed out of the war Mm-hmm. Pretty much until Aang and them came through. So, yeah, it's, it's perfectly perfectly possible. Uh, I then, we obviously have to bring up the fact that we've got our first instance of the recurring joke that is our Cabbage Man. Yes, yes, I wrote that down. The Cabbage Merchant is, is sure, in the episode, obviously, just... He even oh, references yeah, being in the previous city, how it's much better here, and then immediately we have that super cartoony moment of them running through and just barely almost oh he just makes it through and then Aang airbends and uses it as a weapon against the pirates who are chasing them now 
Yep. Yep. Poor guy. Ugh, poor Cabbage Man. <laughs> well, you know. He, he you keeps know picking himself back up. And we do know he does get much better off later on. We, we, we have, he does. Th- there's evidence within the series that he does make a name for himself in the end. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like a little... That was a little nod to the fans. Uh, I then want to... I, I feel like we're moving really quickly through the episode, but I mean, so much of this episode is... As much as the episode isn't filler, a lot of the episode itself is. That entire chase sequence and fight sequence just to get them to escape and try waterbending. Which yeah. then le- immediately leads into another giant fight scene, a giant waste, not waste of time, but a giant chunk of time dedicated to fighting right. with these little set pieces of a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do kind of like here, I, I didn't note it down, but I'm just thinking about it. Like you brought up this whole, we've never really seen a dark side to Katara, and I know we do get more of it later on, little bits. But I mean, yes. we've, seen her, we've seen her be upset. We've seen her be... I mean, in this case, mischievous, stealing back the scroll. And I mean, as much as we obviously learn that, you know, stealing is wrong, she is taking something back from them, essentially. Yeah. But then this whole apologizing to Aang and to Momo for being so self-centered, only to go behind their backs at night and be more self-centered and ultimately be the reason they're offended. It's just nice because it does sort of... Again, show that Katara, yeah, she's sort of like the moral compass of the group. Because, you know, Sokka, I think, more focuses on, like, the tactical, uh, where he flexes his muscles again in this episode. And, and anxious to kid, like, yeah, they all want to do right, but I feel like Katara is definitely the one that sort of guides them mm-hmm. on a human like a level. Great, like, let's, like, make, like, plant that seed now. That's a great topic for our next episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, it yeah. is. That's true. Um, but yeah, no, but... We, we, we get to see this imperfectness in her. Like, we've seen Aang, you know, uh, have trouble with things and not understand consequences. We've seen where he's had to grow up and learn. We've seen Sokka admit he's wrong before. But we've never yeah. really had Katara. I mean, she apologized to Aang for being kind of, like, snooty when he was with all the girls in Kyoshi. But we now mm-hmm. actually get Katara really seeing a consequence to her being greedy. Exactly, yeah. Like, the, the Kyoshi one, that was more of, like, a comedy-type thing. Like, oh, maybe she's just a little jealous, uh, whatever. But mm-hmm. this, exactly, she realized that her desire to be a strong waterbender, maybe even stronger than Aang, and, and sort of at all costs, ended up having a cost that could have been a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah. Um and, and it's funny when she says, she's like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. And then they're like, it's okay, Katara. And then Iroh's like, actually, it kind of is your fault. <laughs> like, it... Which, so I don't want to get too far from that, because I do want to bring up in this moment the interaction with her and Zuko. This is the first time she's really been, like, one-on-one with Zuko, where we've really had, like, a really, like... True. I don't want to call it, like, intimate moment, but, like, it's the first time they've been more than just yelling at each other through a fight or, like, across a battlefield. Uh, one... Zuko, like, even the way they like, animate him behind her, like, going from side to side, like, over her shoulder, like, being the little devil on her shoulder, like, the shading on his face, like, he is meant to be freaking creepy here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he's meant to be imposing, he's meant to be ominous. Obviously, he brings back the necklace, well, he doesn't give it to her. Yeah, uh, sure, I think he, he still... she still hasn't gotten it back at this point, yeah. No, exactly. But, yeah, it's weird that, it's true, I didn't even think to note that is yeah it is really the first 
one-on-one uh, interaction that Zuko and Katara have. And but even it, more it, important is the first time Iroh speaks to any of them, really. That's true. I mean, I don't even think, like, they see a whole lot of Iroh, even like, in their interactions the with Zuko. The other instance I can think of would have been when they were captured, or when Aang was captured, and even then I don't think it was more than, like, just him standing there silently watching as they took him away. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing I liked, like I said, I mentioned it very briefly not too long ago, but mm-hmm. uh, here again, Sokka sort of comes in and not, it saves the day a little bit. He, he bails his sister out, like when they're getting, when they're all captured. Yeah, and his plan is great. His plan is great. When the pirates are about to give the Avatar back for the waterbending scroll, Sokka's like, well, why are you giving, why are you giving him back? He's worth like a thousand times this. <laughs> And Zuko even says they're trying to turn us against each other. Don't listen. And of course, you know that's what ends they're up happening. Pirates. They're in it for the bottom line. They, they, he played them really, really well. Yeah, pirates aren't uh, loyal to anyone. So, like, of course, again, it was a word work. I wrote down like five times in these these two episodes is just manipulation. Like, it's a little bit heavy-handed, but like a lot of these episodes are people manipulating other people to get the result they want. Yes, Zuko tries with the necklace and trying to you know like. There's even, like, I don't think there's ever a moment where you think she'll say, okay, I'll rat them out, give me my necklace back. I don't think that's ever even a thought that crosses her mind. But they do linger on it just a second or two long enough to make you think, is she going to answer? Right. Like, it isn't just a no, it's my necklace. He -hmm. offers, there's a beat, and then a no. Like, she legitimately stopped to think. It's true. There's that instant of, like, what if I did? There's a moment of doubt. I mean, to get a little off topic, uh, you've, there's, like, a, those phenomenons people research. Like, if you're standing on the edge of a cliff, you, you would never actually jump, but there's that part of your brain that goes, what if I did? Ah, uh, yeah, the intrusive thoughts. Yeah, so there's this moment of her going, like, even if the answer was never going to be, sure, I'll, like, turn on my friends for a necklace, no matter what the value is. It, it almost paints a more humane character, the fact that she does have to take a beat and go, what if, before she can go, obviously, no. No, that's it. I, yeah, I, that's again, a, that's, that's something I... Work. Yeah, it's something, again, I, I, may, I probably missed uh, when I just watched it, but it's a good point. It, it, again, sort of just poking holes almost in Katara's... I, w- I don't want to say she was perfect beforehand, but she definitely sort of came out as the most angelic... Yeah. without falter uh, so it does poke holes in that a little bit and i think that's necessary obviously we we need katara to be imperfect we need her to mm-hmm. be flawed um just like the rest of the characters are yeah it's a uh, again it, it sort of helps with the development of a character showing that they do have their flaws even if that flaw is the fact that she was a bit greedy and wanted to learn for herself because it's what she's always wanted the fact that she and again, it never feels malicious. It's her saying, you know what, everyone's asleep, I can sneak off for five minutes, I can try to get a little bit better, so I can keep up with Aang, or maybe show him up. It's never her trying to be deceitful or evil. It's just her showing that a little bit of greed, and here's a side effect. It's um, true, there's nothing, there's nothing totally sinister behind it. Exactly. It's just... like even, even her faults are very, like, okay, like human. They're not like, yeah. she made a mistake. She's just bad luck. Yeah. Um... So I do want to go into the obviously we, the the pirates find them, capture them, we get our big fight, and 
I am going to point out, again, in the realm of things that are designed in animation, how incredibly cheap this fight is. <laughs> Smoke bombs, so there is virtually no action on screen for a majority of this fight. Yeah, yeah, they probably saved a little bit of a uh, little bit of budget there. Yeah, and I mean they do have fun with the smoke. You have Ang's moment of clearing the smoke, seeing everyone unclearing the smoke, going, yeah. <laughs> "Never mind." Like they can still play with it. It still gives them an excuse to have fun. But mm-hmm. again, as a, a, a fan of animation in this style, it's definitely a moment of like, "Hey, we can save a ton of time, uh, money too, probably, but time." and make this a lot easier to animate and get through. And I True. do know, I know more in Korra, I've heard some stories about some really rushed jobs in episodes because they were really put on, like, some restrictions. Like, they would get an order for, like, so many episodes, and then it's going to be like, oh, yeah, no, we need, like, three more episodes before that. You have a week, and they're like, crap, we have to rush. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would, that would probably explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on... What do you think of, like, the sort of message that came out at the very end? Stealing is wrong, unless it's from pirates. I think it's cute. I think it's it, it, it gives her a very earnest apology, but lets her have a little bit of fun with it without being totally bad, because I feel like it would be tough to give a lesson of stealing is wrong, but look, we still have the thing we stole. I yeah. think it helps l- alleviate the stress of the moment a little bit, kind of lighten the mood in the fact that ultimately... They were taking something back. Yes, they still use it as a device to frame stealing as bad, while allowing them to still do the stealing without feeling bad. It's kind of a weird oxymoron finale. Mm-hmm. But her apology is very sincere. Her getting a joke in is a little cute. And it still ultimately ends with them on the moral high ground, despite the moral issues they may have raised in the episode. Yeah, I mean, that's that's more or less where I was going to go with that also, just sort of like, the stealing is wrong part for the kids, and the, unless it's from pirates, it's for the comedy, mm-hmm. um, and like you said, obviously they can't just say, well, stealing is bad, but here's the scroll that we have. Yeah, and I think ultimately <laughs> if any child who sees this episode does take that to heart and does steal from a pirate, I think on a karmic scale, I'm okay with that. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, probably, that's probably true. Like, this is the point where I feel a more serious podcast would turn to the audience and say, a reminder, we don't condone stealing. But I kind of do agree, if you're stealing from pirates, eh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have the opportunity, I suppose. If like... you find yourself surrounded by pirates, and they have a thing you want, and you take it, I won't get mad at you. That's specifically me. You? I, I personally will not get mad. I can't there speak for go. anyone else. You, you have our blessing. <laughs> yeah. Um, that will not hold and... up in a court of law, by the way. Not that pirates... Anyway, that, that won't save you. I was going to say a pirate lawyer now. Sorry. Pirate lawyer. Uh, yeah, we, we, should, we should move on to episode 10. That's a big one. So do um, we want to try reading this entire thing together? Yeah. Okay, we could do that. Can, I was gonna uh, say read up until I, I see in the in the in the paragraph about halfway through there's the word old Fire Nation civilian is in yeah like okay I see a spot hyperlink all you get there I'll continue uh, all right book one episode ten jet 
Traveling by foot, Team Avatar accidentally stumbles into a Fire Nation camp. The soldiers immediately surround them, though the team is saved by Jet and his Freedom Fighters and invited back to their treetop hideout. There, the team learns about the orphans living in the woods and fighting the Fire Nation soldiers who dare to set foot in the forest. While Aang and Katara are trustful of the Freedom Fighters, Sokka remains skeptical, a sentiment that is strengthened when Jet and a few of his fighters ambush an old Fire Nation civilian. Suspicious, Suspicious of his true intentions, Sokka trails Jet on a nightly walk and discovers that the Freedom Fighters' leader desires to flood the Earth Kingdom village of Gepan. I didn't realize they gave a name in the episode, I'll be honest. Me neither. Uh, killing everyone. I really cut off the sentence there. Hmm. Uh, in order to eradicate the Fire Nation. Soldiers. Stationed there. <laughs> I couldn't hear you that sentence. I'm super weird. I'm oh, so God. sorry. I just might have <laughs> Before Sokka can intervene, however, he is captured by the Freedom Fighters. By morning, Jet convinces Katara and Aang to use their waterbending to fill up a reservoir under the ruse of it being needed to extinguish forest fires. Though, in reality, it is to flood the village. After they are done, they discover Jet's true intentions, and although they manage to incapacitate him, they fail to stop the Freedom Fighters from blowing up the dam and flooding Gepan. However, Sokka managed to escape and warn the villagers, evacuating them all to safety. Oh my lord, that is so much. I feel like it's so redundant. And a lot of howevers. However, however. Oh my, wow. All right, well, thanks for listening to our podcast. I mean, we, have, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have have to say day, anything else. We're done. We're done. Yeah, we don't have to say anything on that. Um, oh. Actually, <laughs> all seriousness, this is actually an episode I was looking forward to us getting to because Jet, um, it's a really important episode in my opinion. First of all, it introduces us to Jet who, yes, uh, he's, he's sort of the monster of the week, mm-hmm. uh, as you said, but he we do see him again later uh, in the series. Uh, a few we times I I we see him more than once. I was fairly certain we did, though. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And uh, you know, it's not just sort of like a one-off. Oh, hey, there's Jet again. Like he's back a few times. Um, yeah. So, I'll also admit, with this episode's large cast and the previous episode with the pirates, I did do an IMDb check. Didn't recognize any names. No, I don't think I did either. Um, I think like one of the guys in the treetop freedom fighter village people. I think one of the village people. I think one of them had done like another show I had watched, but like nothing I could be like, oh my god, it's some celebrity. It's like he's a right. guy who happened to also do a voice one time on another show one time. I already forgot. Have you noticed all the big celebrities seem to voice Fire Nation people? Like like Jason Isaacs is a Zhao, and George Takei was the warden. And... True, I guess. And you've said there's a third one coming up. I guess I know it's a Fire Nation person now. There's a third big one coming up, yeah. I don't remember who it is. I was like, I don't want to look ahead and see. Yeah, I'll tell you. Don't worry. I'll, you, you'll find out. Um, I've been checking but, like everyone, so I'll see it for sure. Yeah, you'll, you'll see it before before we discuss it. Um, but this episode's important because I think this is the first time that the gang really meets... Well, first of all, they meet Jet, and they meet someone who is... He has reason to hold the anger that he does. Mm-hmm. However, obviously, we know that the anger is not misplaced, but misguided. Yeah, I, I find difficulty in sympathizing with him for his motives, because I feel like no matter how much the Fire Nation has wronged you, to then kill innocent people, I feel like... 
that that's like there's something like, it's almost one of those things where it's like he's using it as an excuse when in reality he's kind of just a psychopath I don't sympathize with him I, I definitely don't I definitely don't sympathize with him but I do I guess this is sort of sim- no that's not really sympathizing but no like I, I, I see how he came like he's, to he's lost his parents to the fire nation like there's a valid reason for him to have hatred for the fire nation but to yeah. go so far as to be like, I'm going to kill innocent people to wipe out a few soldiers and free this valley, and they're never going to come back and I'll be the hero, is like delusional. I'd almost say like psychotic or like there's some sort of like, even had this not happened, he would have wound up being a murderer somehow almost. Or he might already have been. Like, we don't oh, know. that is true also. We don't know his past... Um, but it's sort of like a win at all costs type yeah, mentality just, that he has. Yeah, like I, I, I can, I can, ra- I can't even rationalize why he would do it, but like I understand his logic as flawed as it is, why he believes it. It's just like to sit there and be like, "I'm gonna kill the Fire Nation people because they took away my innocent parents." Aren't you gonna kill a bunch of innocent parents at doing this and possibly their children? Meh. It's like, uh. Yeah, you see the hole in your plan, right? Uh, I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't. There's a bit of foreshadowing also, I found. Uh, I mean, obviously, first of all, we meet Jet. He's this hero. He saves them. Um, You know, Sokka right away is a bit jealous or a bit like, uh, who's this guy? But, you know, he sort of introduces a bit of a love interest to Katara. Oh, really? You think think Katara likes him? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, some they, subtle they hint of this in the episode that, when he, he, he says, hold on to me. Yeah, they weren't exactly subtle with it. But the point being is that they finally get up. They, they have their little, like, they have that, that feast. Yeah. Uh, and he makes the speech and he says, oh, some, you know, the Fire Nation thinks they can get rid of us. Maybe they're right. Or maybe they're dead wrong. And yeah, that was the first moment of like, hmm, What? Yeah, nobody really like obviously no one in the in the gang really catches that right away, but I think that is the first clue to the audience that there's maybe something up with this guy. Um yeah. and he's not just this this Robin Hood um you know vigilante was the word I was looking for just there who who's yes. is altruistic and is good and just doing the lord's work essentially like Mm -hmm. i I think he he fancies himself that but obviously we know that for him if he can kill two fire nation soldiers and also you know five civilians might die because of it he he might do it or he would do it yeah i mean like he is the ultimate like i was thinking about in the previous episode like uh you know the classic alignment chart you'd see in like a dungeons and dragons type game the lawful good neutral good chaotic good like, he is definitely chaotic good. He thinks he's doing something good, but he'll do anything at any cost, no matter how much damage mm-hmm. it causes to attain the goal that he thinks is right. Yeah. Whereas yeah, well, Aang, exactly. you've got, like, neutral good, like, he makes mistakes, he's never intentionally bad, his goals are always good, uh, but he'll still play by his own rules, whereas... Katara and Sokka both kind of fall into I, think, I guess lawful good would be the way to put them they're both very like by the books by the rules mm-hmm. and their goal is ultimately good all three of them but when you're then looking at the scale of how chaotic to how good we've definitely got to lean on the chaos there I bet there's an alignment chart that someone's already made that, that exists 
I will Google it now, actually. I'm yeah, well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other interesting thing to note about Jet's plan is that this is not even a Fire Nation town that he's flooding. Mm-hmm. It's an Earth Kingdom town that happens to be occupied by Fire Nation soldiers. So it even sheds even more misguidedness on, on what he wants to do. He's, he's literally destroying innocent people who had the audacity to get taken over um, for something that, that I guess it can't be more than like a couple dozen Fire Nation soldiers in there. Yeah, like I definitely feel like if you had done the count in this episode, there's more non-Fire Nation than Fire Nation. Probably. Obviously, you know, animation and what we actually see, it's limited, but we can imagine there's probably more civilians than, than soldiers, but obviously the soldiers have weapons, are likely firebenders as well, at least mm-hmm. some of them. And it's well, we just, also, it's just... Obviously, like, we, we know it's an Earth town, uh, as they may, they may clear later on, but, yeah. I mean, that old man that they will get to in a minute... He's living there too, and I don't think the Fire Nation just randomly carries an old man around with them. Like they probably have some Fire Nation people living there as well. It could be it could... also equally as innocent, despite being Fire Nation, which is another, again, moral dilemma we've come across in the past with the Fire Temple. It's possible. I don't really know exactly if the if the old man was a resident of the town, if he just happened to be passing through. It's not really made clear. Except the fact that he shows up in the town after to sort of vouch for Sokka and help get everyone out. Um, yeah, that was my, my kind of reasoning for that. Um, yeah. So before yeah, we move on too much that. with their plan and some of this, I do want to just bring up really quickly, because I just I need to get it off my chest, the names of some of the freedom fighters. Oh, uh, yeah, you like... Uh, I like oh, Pipsqueak. It's, it's Pipsqueak. a classic... It's a classic cute, like, oh, Pipsqueak, he's the big guy. Funny. Um, yeah. Then you've got the Duke, which is a really weird name. And then you have kind of the only one that ever gets a, like, there's the three that get screen time besides Jet. It's those two. And Smellerby? What does that mean? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, I have no idea. It's one of those ones where I'm like, I just, I kept hearing it being like, am I mishearing it? I looked it up like, no, no, it's Smellerby. Like, a bee no. who smells things. I, like, I want to know his backstory so much. Where is his I episode? I think it's a her. Uh, that is also a possibility. I, th- I think Smellerby is, is, is a woman, but, you know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, some of the names are interesting. There's a couple other ones in there. Um, no, you're right. It's a girl. Shit. There you go. There you go. I learned there the you lesson. have it. Uh, and they've all had similar experiences. Like, that's sort of how they all came together, is that the Fire Nation wronged them terribly in, in some ways. I mean, for the most part, like, you know, Fire Nation destroyed your town, your parents, this, that. So they all have the motive. And maybe, like, you even have them sort of questioning Jet. He's like, you know, I think it was the Duke who said, Jet, what about all the people in the town? And Jet's like, well, you know, that's just that's the price of war or something like. I don't remember exactly something what he like says, dark but medicine, yeah, yeah. And they and they follow him. You know, they just like, okay, I'm sure they don't really deep down agree, but with what leader, Jet's saying. It, but it, it ties into the central theme of this episode with uh, Sokka at the beginning, and again at the end, his great little moment there is when someone is a born leader, when someone leads a group, 
they can yeah. lead you astray sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, not all leaders are good. And mm-hmm. obviously this is a it's this can get a little more philosophical just in the sense that not only is that their leader, he's their provider, he's their caretaker, he he's really the one person they a lot of them have. And if he's gone or if he's or if they leave him, they have nothing again. And so mm-hmm. I think I think Jet sort of has that type of leadership over them as well. Yes, he's very inspirational. Yes, he he quite clearly cares about yeah. them. Like he's not a bad uh, he's not a bad person in that regard. No, I, I want to talk about Jet a little bit. Like I just want to bring up a few facts. Like uh, again, on the design side of things, the the whole like the stalk of like whatever grass sitting out of his mouth, the almost allegory for a cigarette, just making him the cool kid. And he never drops it. No, never, not once. Even that entire... F- I think when he's fighting Aang, he finally doesn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, again, like I mentioned in the previous episode, manipulation is a big theme. I mean, the way he... The way he speaks, the way he... You know, Sokka, I have an important mission for you. I just He, he just wants Sokka on board. He doesn't care about Sokka. He just wants him to be on board so that he can have Aang and Katara do anything with the water. And he straight up lies to them, saying we're going to use to put out a fire again, manipulating them using what you know. His troops know the truth, and they are following him because they've learned to follow him and just always follow him because they have no one else, as you said. But these three people who don't have that uh, allegiance to him, he has to manipulate, and again using his charm to, and you know, like complimenting at what that moment where, uh, oh, what is it? They're they're in the reservoir, and he's like, oh, I believe in you, Katara, like. Kind of yeah. using the whole, like, she's swooning for me. Let me take advantage of this poor innocent girl. And then right. Aang goes, where's my support? And he goes, you're the Avatar, of course. Like, I'm just going to pump your ego. Like, he's really good at what he does, and it's creepy. He is. And I think he knows he has to resort to manipulation with them. Mm-hmm. Because if they find him out, or if he were to just be straight with them, A, they wouldn't participate. And B, they would actively try to stop him. And likely be successful in it. I oh, think sure. Jet realizes how strong they are and how easily they could potentially foil his plan, which they obviously do in the end. Um, which I also want to touch on, because I like the fact that the solution isn't they stop him, save the day, stop the bomb, or the his troops turn on him. He technically succeeds in his plan. They actually don't stop him. It's Sokka's instincts and his ability to convince this town, again, thanks to the old man who because of a previous encounter like it's a lot of like good thing that old man was kidnapped was attacked in the woods so that he could realize that Sokka tried to save him and was basically forced to not and at least convince him to not beat him up that he was able to come about it's like a lot of like great circumstances but again it's technically they lost his plan was a success he flooded that town those people are without homes now and I mean yeah of course they're alive yes in the end, the more important victory is people's lives were saved. And also, it didn't even hit me, but like we have to take on the fact that Sokka, who is so anti-Fire Nation, just saved the Fire Nation. He did the exact opposite as Jet. Jet was willing to kill innocents to kill the Fire Nation. Sokka was willing to save the Fire Nation to save innocents. I think it was a bit of a realization for, for Sokka and for, mm-hmm. for, for Katara and Aang, too. I think... You know, we had always been told up until now, Fire Nation, bad. Yeah. There's no gray area. If you're Fire Nation, you're the enemy. And, and it even happens after 
um, after Sokka and Jet get back from their little like scouting report mission, after they had ambushed the old man, Sokka went in and said, oh, they, they Jet attacked an innocent old man. And Jet's like, well, no, he was Fire Nation. And right away, Katara's like, see, oh, reasonable explanation. He was Fire Nation. Yeah. That's just, of all know, people, he, too. Like, again, one of those moments of like, if she didn't have the hots for him, I don't think she would have sided with him that quickly. But he manipulated her to the point where she she wanted an excuse to think he was right. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, it, it I paints agree this really note. nice dark picture. Like, I, I, you're right. I, I totally remember Jet from this episode now that I'm watching it again. But I don't remember where he comes in later on, especially if he comes in more than once. But I'm going to keep a close eye. I want to see if he does grow as a character as well. Well, I won't spoil anything for you, but oh, we do see him again. <laughs> no, I, I like knowing we have characters to look forward to. It kind of helps me remember to, like, take the mental snapshot of him now so I can compare and contrast when we get to him again later. For sure. For sure. But um, Jet's an interesting character. I think he's a good sort of indicator for Aang and them that, like, this is going too far in the mm-hmm. fight against the fire. Like, yes, we need to fight the fire dish and we need to stop them. But this is this is like not at the cost of innocent lives. No, it's again a very like it's a cartoon. The idea of people dying is very a faux pas. I don't think we've had a death on screen yet. We've only had references to people who have been killed. Yeah, like I think we understand that death happens, and many people's deaths throughout the series and throughout Korra as well are heavily alluded to and and all but confirmed in some cases but we never get a direct one of these characters is going to or has killed another character exactly there's like there's one that you can sort of say and i'm not gonna say it but like it's a diff it's not like a sword through the heart or something like that you know it's oh a yeah way yeah that they handle no it. even the, yeah you're right the finale of this season kind of yeah exactly kinda has it yeah i i see but what you mean and again i think it still dabbles in the realm of like well spirituality in, yeah yeah it's yeah was like in the grand scheme of things there is no death but yes there is a death that's um, it that's why i, I say think it allows them to kind of play with that area while still being hey it's a kid's show nobody dies because again i'm sure in a darker version if this was ever remade as a darker series uh, we could see them putting in the idea of like the fire nation going through a town like kiyoshi and actually having someone die having like a body on the ground dead like i they could do it would they need in this series they don't need to i don't think it was anything we're missing but i no. think in a darker retelling they would have like murder and death yeah, that's it. I think I don't think anyone is going to go in saying, like, yeah, no one ever died in this war. Because that's obviously... Oh, no, we, we have confirmed casualties. It's just that we never... We never get it... Not we never like see camera, someone but dying. it's never a direct... We never get a direct so-and-so killed so-and-so. We yeah, get like... Vague, the Fire Nation attacked and people were killed because of it. Yeah. But we're never going to get an episode where the Fire Nation goes into a town and we then have, oh my god, they killed my mother. Like, that's too... No, exactly. It has to be removed. Even when Aang or Katara or anyone is fighting and they dispose of an enemy, you'll hear them, like, sort of grunt as they hit the ground. It's like, okay, they're still alive. They're just incapacitated at the moment. Yeah. But that's, that's, you know, that's Cartoon 101. Oh, 100%. It's this... Every show, even... uh, And the myriad of other shows I follow that do have 
uh, as I again I refer to those those adult themed children's shows. Yeah, there's always and again every show finds their way to get around it. Adventure Time uses the fact that these aren't real people; they're made of candy. They can be rebuilt. They're not permanently gone, but like there's still kind of a permanence to it. Uh, Steven Universe with the gems, they're you know they'll come back or they can be rebuilt. There's always like a a way to kill a character without actually killing a character. Again, Steven Universe does dabble on that a bit harder in some dark ways, but that's another podcast, which I'd actually love to do. Yes. Um, I also just want to comment on how much I enjoyed uh, Jet's line when they capture Sokka spying on them. And I feel like I pronounce his name funny. I, can, I, I always read it as Sokka, and I want to pronounce it as Sokka. Like, <laughs> I, just, I can't look at his name and then say it without pronouncing it with the O too heavily. Yeah, I digress. Um, when they capture him, and he, his orders are, and I quote, "Take him for a walk, a long walk." Like, yeah, are you, are you a mobster? Is this the mafia? Are you? Are you? Are you like take care of him? Kind of thing. Like, yeah, that was a strange one, eh? Like, I almost kind of think like, was he giving them an order to kill him? I guess it's never really clear what exactly they intended to do with Sokka had he not escaped. I mean, I guess I kind of wonder what the plan would have been because, I mean, obviously they would have realized the town was killed when they, after they get back, he can't hide the fact that he killed a bunch of people in a town. They would have figured it out. I mean, I guess he could have lied it away being like, oh, you went back to the camp, we fought, they blew up the dam uh, in an attempt to attack us and they flooded the village and a bunch of them died because of it. It's the Fire Nation's fault. They're idiots. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have that, but I mean, ultimately, he would have had to deal with them somehow. That's it. I, I don't know. I, I would assume that the, the idea was just sort of get Sokka away. I think Jet isn't dumb enough to kill him. Just oh, understanding yeah, no, I'm that overthinking this way too hard. I, I Sokka's pretty important to the big picture in terms of defeating the Fire Nation and the Fire Lord. But anyway, like, we don't get that far anyway, so... No, but I think that's intentional. I don't think they ever meant it to get that far. So there was never a, no. what are they planning on doing? Like, they're just taking him for a walk. Like he said, they're just kids. What do you think? Um, that's it. And again, we, we do end this episode with a very... Uh, again, this, this kind of recurring theme of the three of them on Appa having a, like, what did you learn today? I learned a thing. Oops, yeah. small joke. Which, again, is cute. It's the them admitting, hey, you know what? Sokka is a good leader. He does have instincts. He does... He is the foolish one. He's kind of the, the, the... You know, the laugh. He's kind of the butt of the joke. But, hey, sometimes he's smart. He does have a brain. He can be pretty intelligent. Even at the beginning of the episode, as much as they joke about it, his thoughts of, like, hey, we're flying in a giant bison with an arrow on his head. We can yeah. be spotted from miles away. No wonder they keep finding us. Let's go by foot. Which is kind of a smart idea yeah uh these are a great uh great two episodes for Sokka <laughs> yeah um, no, he uh, really got the shine in this episode I'm really happy yeah before we close out it just real quick interesting to note neither of these episodes were really hang focused one was about Katara and I'd say one was sort of about Sokka and and his you know it's interesting Aang was sort of almost like a secondary secondary protagonist in both of them like yeah obviously he was there he was vital to the plot but it never really sure. focused on ang you know struggling with being the avatar or anything like that we actually focused a bit on katara and Sokka, which is really cool 
Which is nice, because I, I think it's important that we realize the show is about all three of them, that this is as much as he's yes. the titular character. And we do have, obviously, he saves the day here and there. He, I mean, this one was the buying that cheap whistle that summons Appa in the previous episode. I mean, yeah, the learning water bending. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, the majority of it comes down to these are... It's a show about all three of them. They all need to grow, and they're all going to be. I think every yes. episode, like we almost, like, I don't think there's a single episode I can really think of where one of them isn't the star, who isn't the one being taught a lesson or teaching a lesson. That's it. Hmm. I know we have an Appa episode coming up later on in this book. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know if it's in this book. I think it might be in the next one. Yeah, just uh, it, it happened to catch my eye. I was like reading the top of the page before we started the episode, and it was like, oh, it classifies each episode as a book, except for Appa's Loss a Day, which doesn't adhere to the continuity of the show, seen in, uh, epi- in like Book Earth. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't remember this episode at all. We'll look into this. Yes. No, so, I, think, uh, I think that'll be a good time to finish up. Yes, I think this is a fantastic episode, a great conversation. We got a... Uh, Again, as much as we, we kind of refer to these as filler episodes, or they're kind of just like little like Monster of the Week lessons, this is a really good pair of episodes with a lot of really meaty characters in development. I like when we introduce a character like Jet, who has his own motives, his own story, uh, as dark and as messed up as they might be. I like getting more interaction with Zuko, even on that, that one-on-one interaction, kind of letting them build a relationship as much as it is on a really dark start. Yeah. Um, I like seeing I like seeing growth. I like the fact that this is a continuity. I like seeing that like Ang learns water bending in the next episode he's using water bending. Like I like that it isn't just like there's it's it's simple to say but I do like a show that does follow a continuity. There is for sure. It carries forward. It's very nice. I mean even the cabbage guy is continuity mm-hmm. in his own sense. No, I agree. I agree. That's a. It's a, you know. It's one of the nice things about having a serialized uh, TV show, is mm-hmm. that you're able to sort of follow along and 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 understand where things are coming from and where they could potentially be going. Yeah, it makes it a. It makes it more exciting for the next episode. I mean, it's a. It's a really dumb thing to say, like a show with continuity. But I mean, this was in an era when the other shows on Nickelodeon were SpongeBob and the likes that didn't really have a continuity. That didn't really have story. They were just yeah silly cartoons i mean yes it's it's it's, you look back at shows on air at the time of this and i mean more shows nowadays like i mentioned adventure time and steven universe that do have incredible lore and continuity this show has tons of it and it did it so much earlier with out it really paved the way for more shows today it did and it it was i don't know if i'm going to use the word groundbreaking but it, it it just it was a definitely uh, a breath of fresh air. Not to say that like the SpongeBob's and SpongeBob's still going on, right? So it's, it can't, it's not they, a bad show. A Broadway musical, dude. That's it. SpongeBob is a is a global phenomenon. But by the way, a friend of mine saw it said it was really good, actually. Huh. Took his kids. But it's not a serial TV no. show. It's it's yeah. Every episode is just SpongeBob on a different adventure. So it's cool to have this. That's actually there's a story to it, and there's mm-hmm. progression, and there's sort of a, a a continuity 
So it's nice. Uh, I will say, fair warning, the next episode is The Great Divide. Oh, is but, it? Damn, yeah. I might even look. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it. I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to give it a fair analysis. Maybe, and, and maybe under this lens do. we'll get some new, some maybe. new views out of it. Maybe. Uh, I did want to touch on just really, 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 really briefly as we kind of close out here. You mentioned yeah. groundbreaking, and I was trying to think, like, have other shows really done this level of, like, storytelling and serialization in a children's cartoon? And I, I'm i sure I can be proven wrong, but I can't think of any American cartoons. But I feel like this is, again, where Avatar draws a lot of inspiration from anime and Japanese animation. Those are... I look back at all the ones I watched when I was a kid, all the ones that were, like, Dragon Ball Z and shows like that that were well before my years that I only got into later on or watched when they were translated from Japan to America. I mean, those shows are heavy serialization. They come from a series of comic books that are also heavily serialized. True. So, again, uh, groundbreaking for an American series, but again, still groundbreaking and showing that American audiences don't just need slapstick humor like Ren and Stimpy. They can appreciate a story being told over a greater period of time. So, That's it, you know. Heck I'll up. stand by groundbreaking. It's a great word to describe this show. Pokemon, Digimon, all to an extent, yeah. they uh, they all have these elements, but it's yeah. But all of those came cool. from Japanese animation. Those are all yep. animes that were adapted to us. They were translated True. and just reported to us. This is a truly American product. And again, you know, I love anime. You know, I've gone back and watched. I've literally yep. made a joke today about someone to like have a 20 year run of pokemon and they're like it hasn't been on tv for 20 years and i pulled up like the wikipedia being like yes it has um but no we can end it there that's a good place to end i think it's a great compliment to the series because it really is a beautiful series that is truly mm-hmm. groundbreaking it is bendingly even earth bendingly even okay <laughs> you went there <laughs> i have to sorry oh my you can, god you can see more terrible terrible dad jokes like that on my twitter at boxless thought and i'm at at ryan w where you will see hopefully less bad jokes more good jokes uh hopefully i like to think so anyways listeners again you can contact us us contact us us you can contact us and let us know if we've missed something or if you have more insight or if there's just a detail you wish to share that we can pass along and name drop you and thank you at this but, uh, point, I don't know how many episodes ahead we will be at the like by the time you hear this, so don't expect it to be right in the next episode. But we will get to it. Yeah, we may. I may. Even, I'm even thinking we may, if we find ourselves like in need of a break, doing like an episode that is just like recap stuff, so we can keep the episodes very like episode centric, but then do like a little mini episode on like the off week that is just like here's a bunch of fan news. Possibly that could, that could be, be a, a good idea. Do. Yeah. Anyways, we can talk more off camera, off camera, yes. off mic. Have a wonderful evening, night, or day, listeners. Wherever you are. Whenever you are. Whenever, yeah. Whenever you are. Whoever you are. Whatever you are. We don't discriminate. If you're a table, listen in. Shout out to the tables. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time.